Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Counterculture, a study of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's Pastor Nick. Poor people who are poor because of unrighteousness. People who are poor because perhaps they made foolish decisions and they do things which hurt their families and prevent them from getting out of poverty. So this is maybe people who refuse to work and instead take advantage of others, right? You've also got rich people who are rich but unrighteous, right? People who live for nothing more than increasing their material wealth. People in this category are wealthy sometimes because they're dishonest. They've cut corners or cheated. But then there are also people who are wealthy and they're righteous. They love God and they're honest and they have skills and they work in a field and they make a lot of money. Is there anything wrong with that? Of course not. You see these people in the Bible, for example. We see these people even as followers of Jesus in the Bible. They were upheld as good, godly men and women. And these people can have actually an incredible impact for the kingdom of God through the power of their material resources. For example, when we lived in Hungary, there was a man who supported us for years. And he didn't just support us. He supported, I mean, dozens of other missionaries in Europe and, and in Asia and other parts of the world. And this man, he's wealthy. He owns several businesses. And I remember one time talking to him and he said, he said, look, um, I, I want to be used by God, but I'm not good at a lot of things. He said, I, I don't know how to preach. I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to, you know, start a church, but I'm, I'm good at business. I just, everywhere I look, I see business opportunities. Uh, for me, making money is easy. And so I figure I'm just going to make as much money as I can and support as many ministries because ministry costs money. And I'm just going to do that. And I got to tell you, this guy had an incredible impact for God's kingdom in the world. And so the point is this, in whatever stage you are in in life, wherever you are at in life, don't seek to be wealthy or, or, or poor, seek to be righteous in whatever material situation you're in. And whatever you have, don't build your life on the accumulation of material possessions, but use the material possessions you have to store up treasures in heaven and accomplish good for eternity. In this world, it's common for people to love money and use people. Think about that. It's common to love money and use people. But Jesus calls us to do the opposite, to love people and to use money, to use the things we have in this world for an eternal impact. That's how we store up treasures in heaven. And the treasures we store up in heaven, unlike the treasures of this earth, they're completely secure. They can't be destroyed. They can't be lost. They can't be taken away. They are secure and eternal. Our material things will not pass from this life to the next. But the good that has been done for the kingdom of God through the use of our treasures will last for eternity. And the good work that God has done in us through our giving, that will also last for eternity. Look at what Jesus says in verse 21. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what God wants. He wants your heart. But there is this fundamental truth that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. For example, if you have financial investments, you will follow the stock market carefully. If you have real estate holdings, you will follow the housing market 
housing market with genuine interest. And if you invest your earthly treasures in the furtherance of God's kingdom, guess where your heart will be? If you're investing in ministry, then your heart will be in that ministry. If you funded that mission trip, if you helped buy Bibles for those people who live over there, where is your heart going to be? What will your mind be bound up with? You will care about those things. You know, your heart will inevitably follow where your money goes. So therefore, Jesus said, invest your earthly treasures into God's work, into the eternal things of God's kingdom, and your heart will follow. So how do we become a person whose heart is bound up with the things of God? Here's how, Jesus says, by putting your treasures into those things, your earthly treasures into those things. On the other hand, what happens when you become bound up in materialism? Well, then your heart becomes consumed with things and yourself, right? I uh, had a mentor, and he used to put it this way. Giving isn't God's way of raising money. Giving is God's way of raising kids. He said, it's not that God needs our money. It's that we need to let go of what we have. We need to give and invest in the kingdom of God for our own sakes many times. It's a spiritual discipline, which is vitally important to my own spiritual well-being. Here's why. Because every time I give, I am taking part of my selfishness, my self-centeredness, and I'm breaking that away and giving it away and saying, no, 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 I won't let this get its claws into me. I won't let my possessions possess me. I won't be owned by this. I, I choose to give this away and invest it in something that matters for eternity because I need that for my own heart as well. I don't want to be a person like the Grinch, right, who has a heart that is three times too small. Oh, I don't want to be a person who's full of consumed with myself. I want to be a person who's consumed with the kingdom of God. And so what I do with my material possessions is kind of almost like the rudder, the small thing, right, the rudder that steers a large ship. Let's continue on in verse 22 uh, through 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Jesus is using a Hebrew euphemism or a turn of phrase here that we don't uh, immediately understand, I think, when we read it in English. In Hebrew, to have an evil eye uh, here, it's an idiom, which means to be a stingy person. It has the implication of meaning envious or covetous. So Jesus is playing off of this Hebrew idiom about an evil eye, meaning a stingy person. And he says, if your eye is bad, then your whole life will be filled with darkness. In other words, if you are a stingy, selfish person in regard to material things, your life will be filled with darkness. If you are generous, on the other hand, with your possessions, it will bring light and life into your life. You know, we are happier and more content when we have a heart of generosity. But if you're not generous, in other words, Jesus is saying, your life will be characterized by darkness. Selfishness, miserly ways, right? They cast a dark shadow on every aspect of our lives. But Jesus is saying here that your attitude towards material things, it can either be a source of light and life or a source of darkness within you. You know, I think some people try to divide the they try to divide life into two categories. They'll say there's the spiritual and then there's the material, as if they're, they're two separate things that don't touch. But Jesus says, no, no, no. 
your uh, attitude towards material things is a spiritual matter of the utmost importance. And your attitude towards material things makes a huge difference in your spiritual life. If we can have God's heart of generosity, if we can use our material possessions to store up eternal treasures, it will be a source of light and life within us. Let's continue on to verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or in some translations, mammon. Now, there are different opinions regarding the origin of the word mammon. Uh, some people believe that mammon was the name of a pagan deity, kind of the god of wealth. Others believe that the word mammon comes from the Hebrew word aman, which means to trust, because people have a tendency to trust in wealth for security. But whatever the origin, whether it's the name of a pagan deity or whether it just means to trust, right, this idea of mammon, what is clear about this word mammon is that it is this. It is money, it is materialism, it is wealth personified personified. And the point here is this. You can't serve materialism and God at the same time. You have to choose. Which one will you live for? Which one will be the Lord and the master of your life and your heart? One common misconception about materialism is that it is something that only wealthy people struggle with. That's not true. If you've been around people who don't have any money, you'll quickly realize you don't have to have a lot of things to be materialistic. You don't have to have things to worship things. Materialism is an issue of the heart, not an issue of how much, how much money or things you have. So this is something that all of us need to check our hearts on. And the question is, who and what are you living for? Are you living for material things, hoping to store up treasures on earth? Or are you living for God with the goal and ambition of using your material possessions to store up eternal treasures in heaven? Verse 25 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? In our day and age, we might add one more. How am I going to entertain myself? For many people, right, this is the, this is the summary of what life is about. Clothing, food, and entertainment. But if that's all that life is, think about it. Doesn't that lower you to the level of an animal? Aren't these the same things that animals care about? How and then are we different than the animals? But Jesus says, no, no, no. Your life is not the same as, as the life of an animal. Your life consists of more than just base concerns. You have eternal things to pursue. So don't be anxious about these things. And why not? He says in verse 26. Hey, Pastor Nick here. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in just a moment, but I want to take the opportunity to personally invite you to join us this Christmas Eve, December 24th at Whitefields Community Church for one of our three Christmas Eve services. The services will be at 3 p.m., 4.30, and 6 p.m. We'll have a choir, special Christmas music, and a message about the incarnation, how God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ in order to save us. It's good news, and we can't wait to see you this Christmas Eve, 3 o'clock, 4.30, or 6 o'clock. Bring a friend. More information is available on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. Merry Christmas. 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? God does a pretty good job of providing for his creation. And so you can be confident that God will take care of you too. Birds don't worry. Have you ever noticed that? I, I can't recall, you know, a bird with like a, a nervous look on his face wondering how he's going to pay the rent. Birds don't worry, but here's the interesting thing about birds. They don't worry, but they do work, don't they? they? They work a lot. Birds don't just sit around waiting for God to drop worms in their mouths. They get up early, they work diligently, but they don't toil and stress out. God provides for them as they do their work. And birds are good examples for us here, because why? They represent the balance that God wants us to have in regard to work and material things. We live in a material world. We need to eat. We need shelter. And God provides us those things, and he does so through work. Just like birds, right? God provides worms and twigs for them to build nests and for them to eat, but he doesn't just drop it in their mouths. They have to go and get those things. And God says, there they are. The worms are down there. The twigs are over here. I provided for you. Now you go and get it. If the birds don't work, they're going to be hungry. They're not going to have a nest. So we should work like birds do, diligently, yet free from worry and anxiety. Jesus is saying, look, God takes care of the birds, and he will take care of you. Are you not more valuable than they are? Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying that uh, many people's worry and anxiety in regard to material things is rooted in a low view of God a low view of God. They don't understand how much God loves them and how much God values them. Do you know that? Let me ask you, do you know that? Do you know that God loves you and he values you? It's true. And because of that, you can be confident that God will provide for all of your needs as well. Let's look at verse 31 and 32. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Three things that Jesus tells us about worrying over material things. First of all, it is unproductive. So the first one is, it's unproductive. Uh, no one can add a single hour to their life through worry. I once read that it takes 60 trillion droplets of fog to cover seven city blocks. 60 trillion droplets of fog to cover seven city blocks. That sounds like a lot. That much fog can close down airports. It can close down, it can tie up cities. It can do all kinds of things. But you know how much 60 trillion droplets of, of fog is? That's only half a glass of water, if you condense it down. Half a glass of water. Now, that's a good picture of what worry is all about. You begin with something little, only half a glass of water, but you start thinking about it, wrestling with it, wondering about it. How's this going to work out? How am I going to do that? How's it going to happen? And before long, you can't see anything, right? Just like fog. You can't see anything clearly, and everything shuts down. 
Worry accomplishes nothing. It actually robs our time, robs our energy, robs our joy, and gives us nothing in return. So that's the first one. It's unproductive. The second thing about worry is that Jesus tells us it is unnecessary. Why? Because your heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask, and he's committed to providing what you need. Your heavenly Father, being perfect in knowledge, he knows exactly what you need, and you can rest in that. Some people's anxiety and worry is based in wanting a specific outcome or a particular situation from God, right? They're, they're afraid that God will not give them the outcome that they want or which they are convinced that they really need. But you can rest in knowing that your Heavenly Father does love you, and He knows exactly what you need, even if it isn't what you might have envisioned or, th or planned or thought for yourself. And finally, the, the third thing Jesus says here about why, uh, you know, the, why, let's see, what did I say here? Why uh, worry is, is not needed is He tells us it's unworthy. Here's the other thing about worry. It's unworthy. It's unworthy of God, and it's unworthy for your life. It's an unworthy use of your life, rather. Worry and anxiety over material things, it's unworthy of God. To think that the same God who takes care of the birds and who takes care of the flowers and the grass of the field would forsake his children, that's shameful in a way. Spurgeon put it this way. He, he chided his people, and he said this, Oh, you of little faith, Learn better manners. Learn better manners. There's a degree to which it's, it's insulting to God to think that he can't or that he won't provide for you. His child, for, for whom he displayed and declared his love in the most powerful way possible by giving his life in exchange for yours by becoming a man and dying on a cross. Not only is anxiety over material things unworthy of God, it is an unworthy use of the days of your life. God created you for so much more than that. And he says the Gentiles, they seek after these things. Jesus is saying those who have the hope of eternal life ought to think differently than those who don't. Those who have the hope of eternal life, those who know God as their heavenly father, shouldn't we have a different perspective on life, different ambitions in life than those who don't know God? Rather than stressing over material possessions, God wants you to be focused on the ultimate things that really matter. This is why Jesus says then in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Sometimes you hear people make a list of their priorities. You know, they'll say, family first, then work. And often you'll hear Christians do the same thing, right? We'll say, we'll say, take that same list, family, work, but we'll say, no, 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 we put God at the top of the list. So we say, God, family, then work. You know, God first, then my spouse, then my kids, then my job, then my hobbies, and so on, as if they're making a numbered list that goes like that. But I don't think that that kind of linear thinking really reflects what Jesus had in mind. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. No, I believe what Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying, in all of those things that you do, in your marriage, in your family, in your work, in every area of your life, I want you to be seeking my kingdom in those areas of your life. It's not about putting them in a tiered list and numbering that list. It's about saying, all of the things in your life, I want this to be the number one characteristic and driving force, seeking my kingdom and my righteousness in those things.
Seek my kingdom and my righteousness in your marriage by loving and ministering to your spouse. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness in your family in the way that you treat your kids. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness through your work that you do. Don't try to create, you know, compartmentalized areas of your life that don't touch each other. Rather, in everything that you do, seek my kingdom and pursue my righteousness. You see, that way, you don't have to choose. Should I honor God on this Tuesday, or should I honor my spouse? Well, I guess I got to honor God and not my spouse because God's number one and my spouse is number two. No, no, no. You can do both. We want to seek the kingdom and pursue his righteousness in every area of our lives so that it all flows together. And we do that in regard to our material possessions as well. We seek to honor God and seek first his kingdom by how we do the things that we do and the way that we deal with our material possessions. Notice here, Jesus doesn't simply say, stop worrying. Have you ever been worried about something? And then someone came up to you and said, hey, stop worrying. Or you're really afraid of something and someone says, hey, don't be scared, right? That, that doesn't really help, does it? Like, oh, okay, problem solved. I'll just turn off the worrying switch right now. I'll just turn off being scared. You know what does help you actually stop worrying? When someone gives you a reason to not worry, when you have a greater concern or when you have great confidence, that's what helps you to stop worrying. When you get some piece of information that changes the way that you previously thought, that stops you from worrying. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, don't let your mind be occupied with anxious thoughts and worries about material things, but instead... Fill your mind with thoughts and concerns about the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Occupy your mind with those thoughts instead, and it will calm the anxiety and worry in your mind. And he finishes it here in verse 34 by saying this, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We've talked about how easy it is in this material world to be possessed by our possessions. Jesus here gives us a vision of how to be truly free from the ties of materialism. First of all, understand the fundamental nature of material things. They are temporary. They are transient. It's not something to build your life upon. Secondly, understand that this life is more than just material things. God created you for a bigger and better purpose, eternal things of ultimate value. Thirdly, understand how valuable you are to God. Understand how valuable you are to God, that the message of the gospel is that you are so incredibly loved and incredibly valuable to God that he became a man and gave his life for you. You can have confidence, therefore, that he will provide for you because he loves you that much. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He says this, he, that's God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And lastly, replace your anxious thoughts with thoughts of God's kingdom and his righteousness. Replace your anxious thoughts and concerns, your worries, with thoughts of God's kingdom and his righteousness. 
I started off by talking about the incredible freedom you can experience when you have nothing to lose. Well, that is what we have because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus on your behalf, if you put your faith in him as Savior and Redeemer, you will become a person whose eternal future is absolutely secure. You will become a child of a loving Heavenly Father, and you will become a person who literally, in that case, has nothing to lose in this life. A person who can say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Either way, I win because he already won for me. And when you have that knowledge and that confidence that comes from the gospel, you can be truly free from being possessed by your possessions. You can be truly free in this life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the incredible freedom that we have because of what you accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary. Lord, may we be those who replace our anxious thoughts with those thoughts of your kingdom that is to come and the sureness of that kingdom because of what you accomplished and you declare, Jesus, it is finished. Lord, forgive us for the ways in which we have built our hope in our li lives upon material things which are transient. But Lord, would you help us that when we have times of worry, Lord, that we would turn to you in prayer with thanksgiving and make those, those things known to you and Lord, that you would replace them with peace that passes all understanding. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road, and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. 